Radio. Color Me Dead. This is a true crime podcast, and we talk about murder and fuckery most foul in detail while using the darkest of humor. If you don't like words like fuck and cunt, then you probably shouldn't listen. But if you do, then join us while we fuck your feelings. <laughs> All right. Welcome to episode 154. Sure. Sure. I believe you. I I think I'm I'm 99% positive that we are at 154 because okay. I looked at a different one that said 153 and if we're not please refer to the thingy that I typed in because it will be correct. It will be correct. <laughs> I'm actually I'm going to get I'm, First I'm going to stop stuttering and then I'm going to check 154. We are on 154. Yes. Yay. See? I got this. So um Will you tell us where they can find us on social media? Absolutely. If you guys want to be ignored on Twitter, you can. And that is at Color Me Dead Pod. On Instagram, it's the Color Me Dead Podcast page, Color Me Dead Podcast. You can follow Nikki at Gory underscore Nikki and me at Color Me Dead Angel. We are on Facebook, but you will have difficulties finding our page because Mark Zuckerberg hates us. Mm-hmm. And our page is currently at risk of being unpublished, but it is the Color Me Dead Podcast. Um, the group page no longer exists. It, uh, has been disassembled and decimated twice. So at this point, sorry guys, there is no more group. So dumb. Um, if you guys are interested in picking up some merch, you can, you can do that at colormedeadpod.threadless.com. And if you want custom Color Me Dead original creations, you can get that at lagracreations.com. Yeesh. If you want to, you can go to ageofradio.org. You can check out our show. You can listen to it there if by chance your podcast app of choice isn't working. You can go listen to all of our shows there and you can go listen to other shows. You can check out other shows that are in our network. You can shop the bazaar. You can get all kinds of stuff that will end up helping us out in the end. You can also donate to our Patreon because there's a little button on there. Or you can go to patreon.com slash podcast. Anything from a dollar to $75. And it helps us out to keep us going. You can also send us some shit. Because we like to get mail. Mail's cool. Real mail. P.O. Box 1610, Vernal, Utah, 84078. And if you have a survivor story, comments, questions, emotional outbursts, you can send that to colormedeadpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, you can. Yeah, you can. So, I'm going to give you a quote. All right. Not you, because you know who it is. Oh, well, that's fair. Well, I'll give you a quote, too, but anybody listening gets to guess it before I say who it is. Okay, here's the quote. Okay. It's hard for me to believe that a human being could do what I've done, but I know that I did it. Said Jeffrey Lionel Dahmer. (laughs) (laughs) Before we get started, I just want to say that I used 
in the research, the Dahmer book by Stephen David Lampley. Turder, thank you very much. Stephen David Lampley. In case you don't know about Stephen David Lampley. Yes, perhaps you don't. Would you like to know a little something? Here you go. Yes. He was one of the players that was elemental in catching the Claremont killer. He is a profiler and he's an author and he's also been featured on Nancy Grace podcast and does his own, um, he has like an entire syndicate of true crime everything. One of my favorite things by Stephen David Lampley is called How to Catch a Liar. Um, One of my favorite books. He's also got another one in the How to Catch a Liar series that teaches you things to look for, whether it's a physical or a verbal tell. Um, They've also got things that um, they being him. He has other like things, the way a person might word a text or the way that a person might leave a note that would indicate they're not being honest. If you want to check out more from him, you can do so. Um, You can actually go to stephenlampley.com, the lie detection expert, um, and he has an entire slew of things that you can shop there and you can get all of the same things we have if you'd like them, but mine are signed and numbered. Yes, so they are. <laughs> because he like has promoted us personally. Yes, he he's has talked to us. He's given us cute little graphics to promote us. He's answered questions for me on the mm-hmm. side. Like, um, what you guys don't know is there have been a handful plus times that we've reached out to Stephen David mm-hmm. Lampley and asked for his opinion on different cases. So yeah, so we figured it was fitting to. Use the book that he wrote. Yes. I love how he writes. Just in the way that it's like... It's very simple and to the point. Right. You don't have to figure out what it means. I'm an idiot. When I'm reading a book and it's like hinting towards something because they want to be crafty with their words, I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? I don't know. And he... I know exactly what he's talking about. And I love his book. Love how he wrote it. And he actually... We'll get to that later. But he knew Jeffrey personally. So the other book was called A Father's Story by Lionel Dahmer, who is Jeffrey's dad. And it was loaned to us by Kate Horst. Thank you. I've had it forever. I This has been in the works for a minute. I've had it forever. I will send it back. I promise. I swear to God. Swear to God, state law. Swear to God, state law. Um, all right. Here we yeah. go. I'm going to start off with another fucked up quote from, from the man. Two more. You get two more. I made my fantasy life more powerful than my real one. Well, I know other, I know, <laughs> I know people like that. I would cook it and look at the pictures and masturbate. So that's what we're getting into here. It's this so appetizing. <laughs> it is. Like this one, I know he's a, a heavy hitter and everybody knows about him and blah, 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 blah. But it took me a while to get like in the right head space, space. That all I could do it. Good God. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that one was funny. (laughs) Just picking up accents. (laughs) And be the redhead piece. The redhead piece. The redhead piece. But so remember at the uh, Museum of Death. Yes. And I was just walking around. And this is after I almost passed out from the fucking mortician shit. Of all the things (laughs) that were in there, that's what got me. (laughs) And that's, you know what, Spencer and I just had this conversation about the Museum of Death. And I I said the one that tipped my tank was seeing the Sapruder 
film, the oh, footage of JFK getting his cap mm-hmm. peeled back. The one that that's I've seen it. I've seen it five hundred fucking times. Yeah, mm. but for whatever reason, where I was, and I'd had some drinks, obviously, and um, seeing it on the big screen was a completely different experience. And I was like, oh god, Jesus, fuck, I'm done. Like I want out of here. Yeah, that was a no for me. I was like, you know, I'm just gonna stay out here and try not to pass out <laughs> after I watch somebody get their face peeled off. Of all the things in there, it was the normal things that happen to people when they die. That's like right. totally legal. That got me. I'll just be over here in the serial killer section <laughs> <laughs> trying to get my shit together. But I walked into a, a Dahmer uh, uh, crime scene photo and I was like, oh God, I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't ready. And then I was like, oh, let me, let me see that. <laughs> oh, wait, let me I'm take a, a closer gander. I'm a look again. Yeah. So and to the, see some more. Yeah. And I'll see it again. <laughs> <laughs> and to see some more. That was always my favorite. All right. So there's where we're at. So he's the wearer of the glasses, the famous glasses. Um, he's the subject of all the memes. The five guys. What's the five guys one? I was into five guys before. <laughs> yeah. Before yeah. it was a restaurant or some shit like that. He was born on May 21st, 1960 at 4.34 p.m. in Milwaukee at the Evangelical Deaconess Hospital to Lionel Herbert Dahmer and Joyce Annette Flint Dahmer. Joyce had a rough pregnancy. She had a lot of morning sickness and her problems got so bad that she had to quit her job as a teletype operator. So while she was pregnant, everything pissed her off, which... (laughs) surprise like I don't I I feel like I can sympathize with that yes even though I've never been pregnant I feel like I would also be upset with everything all the time yeah so like it was the neighbors were being too loud and somebody did this and somebody did that and she wanted her husband to go shut everybody down she wanted him to be like be quiet stop the noise please don't do this anymore blah 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 and he was like there was only so much that i could do so this caused tension in their marriage at that point already um but she also experienced bouts of partial paralysis during her pregnancy that's a bummer i actually have a couple of different friends that um suffered bell's palsy yeah she had severe muscle spasms and would salivate and foam. So it sounds like she kind of had seizures, but they didn't really straight up come and say it. Right. She was given morphine and phenobarbital to relax her during the pregnancy. So what? Phenobarbital? Phenobarbital. I, always, I like to say things wrong just for fun. If you don't know what it is, it's a barbiturate. Yes, it is. If that doesn't explain it. It slows the activity of your brain and nervous system. It's used to treat or prevent seizures. It's also a short-term, um, or used as a short-term sedative to help you relax, like, like a quaalude. <laughs> One day. Quetalute. One day. I will not die sober. <laughs> um, One day, dude. One day I'll get lucky and someone will present me with one One and I am 100% going to do it for (laughs) recreational purposes. (laughs) Research shows that use of it during pregnancy increases the risks of birth birth defects. Birth (laughs) defects. Mom, did you take this while you were pregnant with me? Because I have a birth defect. A birth defect. <laughs> um, but they obviously didn't know that. This was 1960. They didn't 
They didn't research that shit. Or, well, I mean, I'm sure they tried. I don't know. They didn't know that. Once he was born, she was happy for a while, but it didn't last long. She tried to breastfeed, and that didn't work, so she quit. I know the feeling. I fucking hated that. Like, those moms that can breastfeed and enjoy it, I applaud you because I fucking hated it. Lionel was a student at Marquette. I think it's Marquette. Marquette University. When Jeff was born, he was obtaining his master's degree in analytical chemistry. In 1962, the family moved moved to Ames, Iowa, so Lionel could work on his Ph.D. Jeff seemed to be a happy kid. He loved his dog, Frisky. He even nursed an injured bird back to health with his dad. This is when he was Yiddle. 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 He had a lot of ear infections, um, and that made things challenging for his parents because he was crying all the time. He was always upset, and they're like, oh, my God, can't you just be happy? <laughs> in 1964, he had a lot of pain in his scrotum, so he was about four here. He was diagnosed with a double hernia, and he had to have surgery. The surgery was a success, but they noticed a huge change in him afterwards. His family said that he was an empty version of himself. He was less affectionate and withdrawn. His parents tried to get him back to his regular old self, but nothing worked. The happy kid was gone, like, forever. Literally forever. Forever. Yeah, like, that's not just a dramatic dramatization. A dramatic dramatization? (laughs) Yeah, I like that. (laughs) Lionel and Jeff would watch Saturday morning cartoons together, and though that was a small piece of happiness, that continued. In addition to Jeff's emptiness, his mom was a very needy woman. She was always causing fights with the neighbors, and she was still demanding um, Lionel's attention. She was abusing prescription sleeping pills and laxatives. Of all the things that I don't want to abuse, it's laxatives. I didn't even realize that was a thing until I was in my mid-20s, that you could abuse laxatives. The problem seemed to get worse instead of better. Jeff started collecting and playing with animal bones that he found under their house. He was being neglected by... Like you do. Right? He was being neglected by his pill-popping mother, and to add to it, she was now pregnant with baby number two. She had the same problems with this pregnancy that she did with Jeff, like with all the seizures and all that jazz. Lionel completed his Doctor of Philosophy degree in October of 1966, and the family moved to Doylestown, Ohio. Lionel took a job as an analytical chemist for the city of Akron. They moved several times over the next few months. This caused Jeff to be even more withdrawn, because he's like, no, I'm not going to meet new people. Nope, we're done. On December 18th of 1966, his little brother was born. Joyce and Lionel told Jeff that he could name the baby. Like, oh, you don't like the baby? What can make this better? You name it. Or, Good choice. Dad and I can't decide what the fuck to name the kid. What you want to name it? <laughs> so he named him David. Ew, David. Ew, David. <laughs> David. That was, I was doing it to my niece and she was like, you should have been a voice actor. You do it perfect. I was. Oh my God. Tell- Ew, David. Jeff began attending the Hazel Harvey Elementary School. Joyce was always in bed, and the teachers at the school realized that Jeff was feeling neglected. They tried to get him to make friends, because she's got the postpartums. She's always in bed. She's like, do what you want. I'm, you know, I'm in bed right now. 
He had a teacher at his school that he really liked. He took her a bowl of tadpoles one day. Okay. That's totally something I would have done when I was a kid, though. I'm not even going to lie. It's kind of cute. Because I loved tadpoles, and I thought it was awesome to catch them, so I probably would have done that. A while later, he noticed the tadpoles were gone, and he asked her where they were. She said that she had given them to Jeff's friend, Lee. So Jeff was pissed about that, of course, because you don't just give anybody tadpoles. <laughs> and he went to Lee's house, and he poured motor oil in the bowl and killed the tadpoles. Of course. Because... If I can't have you, no one will. Exactly. In 1968, they moved to Bath, Ohio. This house would be the one that they lived in for a long time. He had to change schools again and was now attending Bath Elementary. Lionel said that Jeff was sexually abused by a neighbor when he was eight, but Jeff says he doesn't remember and nobody knows if it's true or not. In 1970, Jeff asked his dad what would happen if he poured bleach on chicken bones. Okay. Because every 10-year-old wants to know. Well, yeah. Dad, what will happen? But Lionel was excited because he thought Jeff was interested in science because dad's a scientist. So he was like, well, son, let's get a science experiment out and let's check it out. Because there's nothing like a good experiment in the morning. Right? Pour some bleach on that there bone. Let's get some different bones and try it out. He got Jeff a chemistry set. Jeff, of course, experimented with animals and insects. So he was definitely a does test on animals kind of guy. He tested everything on animals before he did them to humans. Oh, no. Yep. His friends. No, Jeffrey. No. No. Just pat him on the nose. Bad bear? Is that that what? No bear. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. His friends from this time say that he was interested in animal organs. (laughs) He also started gathering roadkill. And bleaching the bones of chickens. Okay. Like, could you imagine your kid being like, stop, roadkill. Well, I'm just, uh, I'm going to go for a walk and collect some dead shit on the side of the, no, you're fucking not. Stop what, it. What do you want for your birthday? A wagon? <laughs> oh, cool. For what? Roadkill. Roadkill. <laughs> he used acid to remove the muscle from the bones. And he was becoming more tense. As he was doing this, he's becoming more tense and even more shy. So he's withdrawing and he's not necessarily You mean abusing, abusing the corpses of dead yes. animals isn't yeah. soothing no. and therapeutic? You sure? You would think, but I hear it's not. Okay. And it's not a very uh, a healthy way to take care of your feelings. <laughs> I don't know. That same year, his mother was hospitalized twice for psychiatric problems. She'd been taking drugs to deal with anxiety and was not a stable mother for Jeff. Gee. Yeah. Whiz. Are you surprised? Let let me me show you my surprise face. Yes. So, moving to his school years. He was a troublemaker. He liked to pull pranks and he drank a lot. Later, like, not very much later. But definitely in high school, he was already drinking. He would pretend like he was having seizures. Seizures. He would pretend like he was having a seizure or bleed out like a sheep. All right. My kid does that. Not with the seizure part, but the sheep. Have you heard her do that thing? No. Oh, my God. It's so funny. And she, like, flares her nostrils and does the thing. It's so funny. 
but I don't think that it's, it's, you know, to this extent. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. (laughs) (laughs) Am I raising a serial killer? I don't know. I don't know yet. (laughs) When he was 12, he got a job at a nursery. His boss said he was happy to work there and seemed to like it, but didn't work there for very long. When he was 14, he had his first homosexual experience with a boy who lived across the street. I don't think it was a full-blown sex. I don't think they did the sex. But, it, like, kissing and, and they massaged each other. Well, okie dokie. Would you like a massage? Perhaps. What, what, what were we massaging? Um, Buttocks. Yes. Ski balls. Do you want to be a part of our special club? <laughs> we would do massages. It's a massage circle. We stuff wieners between bumps. It's awesome. <laughs> yes. Well, okay. At 14, this is 1974. And the gay, there wasn't a lot of people coming out gay then. Like it was still a thing that we didn't do. I don't know. Dog day afternoon. Remember, right. we covered that. He robbed a whole ass bank. Got my fucker killed. Yeah. Wadowitz, John Wadowitz. Yeah. And I finally watched that movie. They do? Yeah. It's interesting. Well, and this was like Freddie Mercury, too. Somebody said something about that after we did the mm-hmm. one. And yeah, definitely like it happened. Not saying that it didn't happen, but it wasn't like. Wasn't as open and prominent as it is now. Right. It's not a conversation that you have with your kid. Like, I've had a conversation with my kids where I was like, you know what? You be what you want to be. You're my kid no matter what. I don't care. So don't live in a... Don't live in a world where you think you're trapped or you can't tell me. That you can't be who you want to be. And that I don't think that was a conversation in 1974. Probably not. When Jeff got to high school, his home life was less than desirable. His mom and dad were constantly fighting, and his mom still had her psychological problems. As kids do, he was feeling the effect of this. In 1974, when he was a freshman in high school, he said that he began masturbating two to three times a day and also started drinking. He thought that drinking would help him fit in. So, I'm going to tell you something. No. <laughs> no, you're not? I, no, I'm just saying no. It doesn't help you fit in. Maybe oh. it does in high school if you do it in the weekends, but to become a full-blown alcoholic in high school, I don't think that's the way to do it. It's probably not your finest decision, but no. what do I know? <laughs> right? I, I, A, I didn't fit in, and B, I wasn't an alcoholic, so what do I know about any of this situation? I don't know if I fit in. I don't. Maybe I did in a weird way. I don't know. I don't, I don't Maybe. think I That's did. a no. If you don't know yeah. if you fit in, that's a no. I know 100% that <laughs> I didn't fit in anywhere. I just kind of weaseled my way in here and there. I'm still not even sure how I had friends. <laughs> I don't think I did. <laughs> I, I had like lots of acquaintances. I had a handful of really close buddies that are still my buddies now. Yeah. But I knew a lot of people. I'll just say that. Yeah, I didn't even know a lot of people. I wasn't allowed to do anything. I wasn't allowed to be social. So it was like, it really kind of cut down on who wants to be friends with a kid that can't go anywhere. (laughs) That's really fucked up and sad. (laughs) Sorry, I laughed. It's (laughs) true. Well, he was always trying to fit in. He usually ended up pushing people away more than getting them to like him, though. I feel you, bro. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) 
<laughs> he was always pulling pranks. Like, I feel like I can envision this kid. He's the kid that, like, wants you to like him so bad that he goes just a little bit too fucking far with his joke or his prank. All the time. And you're like, Jesus Christ, Jeff. Chill the fuck out. Sort your fucking self out. You went too far that time, Jeff. No, I don't want to smell your fucking chicken bone. (laughs) Get your chicken bone out of my locker. God damn it. I told you I didn't like this. I told you that I didn't like it when you kept your roadkill in my locker. Not funny. (laughs) Not funny. (laughs) It wasn't funny the first time, and it's not fucking funny now. (laughs) He snuck into the National Honor Society picture, but somebody caught it before it got printed in the yearbook, and he was blacked out of the picture. Now, that's some shit that I think's funny. I would laugh at that. Twid you. That is something that I feel like I would have done back in the day. Just sneakily go get sneakily? the picture. Sneakily. Sneakily. Obviously, I'm not on a society. <laughs> <laughs> to be fell. <laughs> to be fell. He did so much goofy shit that his classmates referred to him as, um, like, all the goofy shit that he did was doing a Dahmer. Do, that's right. I knew that. But I feel like that means something completely different now. <laughs> it doesn't really <clears throat> refer to goofy shit or pranks. <laughs> right. It's a little more murdery these days. Strangely enough, he liked to get into chalk lines. He was not one to stay out of chalk lines. He used to draw chalk outlines and lay in them and pretend like he was having seizures. If you're in a chalk line, you're dead, fuckface. Get your story straight. Right? Right. He just loved the attention. He thought he loved it when people were looking at him. It was like, oh, my God, look at Jeff. He's in a chalk line again. <laughs> look at him wiggle. Oh, my God. Wait, he's not dead. He's having a seizure. Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I laughing so hard? <laughs> so fucking stupid. It is. When they were on a class trip, okay, this one fucking cracks me up, though. When they were on a class trip to Washington, D.C., he called the vice president like he picks up one of the phones in the White House and tries to call the vice president like, excuse me, Mr. Vice President. Sadly for him, the VP wasn't in his office at the time, so he didn't get to talk to him. That shit's funny. I would laugh at that. He was a regular kid who made jokes but didn't talk to anybody about himself and wouldn't let anybody close to him. I don't know why I said regular. He's not very regular. Not really. That regular should have been removed. He went so far as to act like he wasn't as smart as he really was because because he thought people would like him more. So this is back in the time where, like now it's cool to be smart. If you're smart, you're cool, right? I guess. I don't know. Uh, well, I'm not cool, nor yeah, am I, I very smart, again, so I can't verify any of the things that you're asking me right, right now. Again, I'm speaking of things that I do not know. In my head right now, if you're smart, you're cool. But back then, you he, he seemed to think that if you're a little bit dumb, then you were cooler. And he was actually pretty smart, like really smart. But... Acted like he didn't because he thought this would make people like him more. So in my armchair diagnosis. Okay. Okay. He's the kid who didn't feel loved and didn't feel like he belonged. So he desperately wanted people to like him no matter who it was. Um, we'll get 
into this in depth at a later time, but this is something that I feel played a big part in why he did what he did because he needed people. He needed somebody to like him because he didn't get it at home. His, even his own mom didn't love him. In, right. You know, to his, in his well, it's thoughts. the, it goes back to the whole, like bad attention is better than no, no attention. attention. And even if I'm the, the fucking twerp that annoys everybody, at least they're like, they're they, showing yeah. attention to me. They know who I am. They're right. laughing at me. Yeah. And that's what I think that was a, a big thing is not having that attention and love at home. He was seeking it in different ways that ended up being not very healthy. He was really hard on himself and made zero plans for the future because he didn't plan on living through the future. He later admitted to... Technically, he didn't. <laughs> no, he really didn't. He, so he was making plans. To be fair, he did make plans for his future by not making plans for his future. Just saying. Well, that's kind of poetic, isn't it? It is. He later admitted to being an underachiever. He was smart, but didn't care. <laughs> like, he admitted to it like it wasn't a fucking secret. Right. Okay. I am That's an funny. underachiever. I'm going to admit this right now. <laughs> underachiever. Just, I'm a little bit of an underachiever. Just so you know, in case you didn't notice before. He played the clarinet in the band in his freshman year. And he played tennis from 10th to 12th grade. I didn't really picture him doing either of those things. How about you? I not not the sporting anything. I didn't picture him as a clarinet playing. I could see Bandork playing. Yeah. Before I saw any sort of athletics. Like tennis. Like, and then I get the visual of him in his glasses and his shorty shorts. And his I'm tiny actually... little John Stockton's with yes. his pasty pale legs. Yeah, and his tall socks. <laughs> yeah. Because it's the 70s. Yep. Um, he realized he was homosexual when he was about 15. It said he had his experience when he was 14, but maybe it was all like, well, right. Okay. When he was 15. He obviously kept that to himself. He had friends in high school, but no real close friends. And he didn't regularly hang out with anybody. I hate it when I find like similarities to me and serial killers. Like I start to second guess myself. Like, am I going to turn into some, I know I'm 40 and I'm set in my ways at this point, but is something going to change here soon? I don't know. <laughs> I guess we'll find out on that one too. He went to prom with his friend's dates friend, if that makes sense. She wasn't popular either. He actually asked her the day before and she went because she knew if she didn't go with him, she wouldn't get asked by anybody and she wouldn't get to go. He left prom for about an hour to get something to eat. Finger quotes. Do you think he went to five guys? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. In high school, his fascination with dismembering roadkill was still alive and well. He would take them to the woods behind his house and do it back there. He was experimenting with different cleaners and whatnot to see what cleaned the bones the best. Does scrubbing bubbles, a bathroom cleaner, clean the bones best or does bleach? What about Mr. Clean? Pine saw? I don't know. He never killed animals. Like, he never killed them at this point. Just, no, he just collected them already yeah, dead. I don't... He just dismembered the ones that were already dead. Do you think he liked it when they were better, like more squished? 
on the road? Or do you think he liked the ones that were lightly squished? At this particular juncture, because he's so fascinated with organs and bones, I would say that like that stage as they've bloated, but um, like the gas has been released yep. so that you could like easily pull the skin back and yep. look is probably where his oh yeah like comfort level is yeah so that he can get to the bones but he can still like identify things on the inside before they've completely liquefied i sound like a fucking serial killer he's like <laughs> i'm like join, over here join I, the club yeah dude i'm over here like vividly you know you know oh, and I'm it's like about nodding. three days after it dies and it's been sitting in the sun you know so it's bloated but it's not still big and ready to pop it's already popped and you can like peel the skin back all easy like off of a peach like angel fuck stop i was stop. just gonna say there's like a three to five day window of where I, <laughs> before the before yeah. the insides liquefy yeah we have lived in the fucking sticks too long a little bit too long all right that, that was like <clears throat> a normal thing for us and some people are probably like what the fuck what is the wrong shit with you is wrong with you let me tell you there's a lot of things wrong with us just so you know <laughs> At this point, he started fantasizing about what it would be like to cut open a human while he was doing it. He was like, oh, this is fun doing it. I'm the null. I wonder what a human would be like. Me and Spencer just had a conversation about dismembering a body. Yeah. And um, we, so there's a movie called Voices and it's Ryan Reynolds and um, you can watch this on Amazon Prime and I believe it's on HBO Max right now, but... Um, it's an older Ryan Reynolds film, and he plays a um, schizophrenic, <clears throat> and he hears voices. And one of the some of the voices that he hears are his dog and his cat. Anyway, you would love it. The cat is Scottish. The dog is a dopey <gasps> hillbilly, and Ryan Ryan Reynolds is a fucking serial killer. How, How have you I never fucking watched this? this? This is like one of my favorite movies. How do you not know this fucking film? I don't know. All right, so. You've got to go and watch it, like, today. All right? Oh, okay. You okay. liked it, Yeti. You cut her and you liked it? It's that fucking cat. You deserve to be hit by a minivan. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> he kills these women, and he dismembers them, but he's using a set of kitchen knives, like, kitchen implements to dismember and then, like, ornately pack the body in Tupperwares. So, okay. me and Spencer... <clears throat> me and Spencer are talking about dismembering a body. And I said, there is no way, no fucking how I would be able to do that because as soon as I like cleaved into a body, I would fucking vomit. Oh yeah. And I said, there's absolutely zero chance of me ever pulling a body apart like that. And Spencer's like, he's all like that. No, but like with a chainsaw, like if I could just put on a pair of (laughs) goggles and an apron and like, give me a chainsaw, let me do it fast and dirty. He was like, I can vomit one time and be done. But like, if you let me do it quickly, I think I can do it. And I was like, who are you? (laughs) Like he's all, but like that, no, I'd get sick too many times. (laughs) I just envisioned him in like the Dexter gloves and the Dexter, like you know how, apron like, you with know the how serious he gets and though. A face, yeah, a face shield, like just when he's explaining things All and right. he gets that really serious look, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, "I think if I could do it fast and dirty, like with a chainsaw and some goggles and something, so I don't get it in my mouth, you know, like I could do it." Tuck the beard in the shirt, like he can do the thing that he does with the hair ties and tuck it in his shirt. Where he ties his beard up in the Captain Lou. Yeah. The Captain Lou Albano. I like that. I like it when he does that. I think it looks way cool. The first day I saw it, I was like, 
I like that. I know. I kind of want to put it like in two and put beads in it. Right. You know? Yes. Um, What? I was going to say something. Are you done? Something, Uh uh-uh. I was like, no, I just said it right here. Oh, I'm like, we were talking. No. Oh, I was talking to somebody about Dexter the other day. I was like, I'm still trying to find a series that I love because I really like Dexter. Like, I got really into it. I'm trying to find something to like get into that has a lot of seasons because that's what I like when folding laundry and yeah, you know, because it's usually basically the only time I watch TV. And they were like, oh, Dexter was so gruesome i was like oh fuck bitch are you fucking with me right now the there are a handful of people that exist on this planet that are softer than dryer sheets when it comes to fucking true crime and gore there are one of those when you watch it i i it doesn't bother me i would rather like i get more disturbed by birthing videos and the fact that people record that shit to watch later Mm mm-mm when they asked me if I wanted the mirror, I was like, you can fuck off right now. Ugh. I don't want to see that shit like, ever. Why? No. Anyway. Yeah, but they were like, it's so gross. It, it, it's so, I can't, I can't remember what they said. And I was like, are you serious? Because that's why I didn't watch it in the beginning. Because I was afraid it was going to be too too much from my little tender brain. And I once I started watching it, I was like. This, this ain't, ain't shit at all. There's yeah, nothing. this ain't like, shit. I let Calvin watch it. He's thirteen, and he didn't. He didn't think it was nasty either. Cause like the dismembered person in the first season was a little bit weird, but not that bad. There's no blood. It's fine. Come on. Anyway, now that we've expressed our inner serial killer. He had a plan to kill a dog once, but the dog looked up at him, and then once he saw his eyes, he couldn't do it. Good job, Jeff. He did take a roadkill dog to the woods east of his house and um, dismembered it and did his shit there. Oh, no, he just hung it there. And it, what's weird about it is that he did it right by where some girl had committed suicide there in 1977. So, like, around the same year that he did it, like, right after she did it, he took the dog out and hung it there. Like, some kind of weird, creepy symbolism. I don't know. but Or, or that's just where he liked to go. I'm not sure. I don't know. Around his junior or senior year-ish is when he started thinking about killing people. Like I said... A minute ago. This is also when he started drinking heavily. (laughs) Was he trying to get rid of his thoughts of murder? Because we both know the alcoholics sometimes, not all, I'm not going to lump everybody into a section, but one that I deal with drinks to numb thoughts. So do you think he was drinking to numb the thoughts of the murder, of wanting to commit murder? Mm, I don't know. It's a theory, and I would, I mean... I think there's so many different reasons that he drank, though, with having a home life that's not a home life, and then having thoughts of murdering people and being homosexual and having I was to gonna keep say, that to himself. Like, having to deal with emotional stress, like being homosexual, like not having a proper home life, you know, dealing with feelings of obsession when you're, you know, dismembering things. I'd probably cut yeah that yeah I'd be drunk again yep yeah yep. probably not the homosexual thing because I really don't care right but like if I had intense insatiable urges to like pull things apart 
Yeah, then I would be like, oh, fuck. I'm, I'm gonna just gonna up. go over here. Right? <laughs> Don't talk to me. I'm fucked up. <laughs> yeah. When he went to his friends' houses, he would sneak off and drink their alcohol in their houses if they had any. He took alcohol to school, and if anyone asked him about it, he called it his medicine. All right. I have to go take my medicine. He kept scotch or other booze in his locker and drank all day long. Like, Perfect. Just took a whole like it in between classes. Like that would fuck. you know what you're playing with fucking fire though with like scotch and bourbon though that you can smell that shit as soon as you cork it. You know what I mean? Like everybody oh, knows yeah. that you drink vodka. Duh. He didn't. He didn't know that. But which don't let anybody lie. You can still smell the fuck out of that on you people. Can. Yes, <laughs> you can. Um, I feel like if I would have known about this, I probably would have drank through fucking high school too. Cause fuck high school, fuck a bunch of high school. No, it wasn't that bad. I guess he was apparently a nice drunk because people said he was calm and never angry. Okay. No, well, that's great. A teacher once caught him with a bunch of empty beer cans and threatened to turn him in. He begged the teacher not to and told her that he had lots of problems at home and that he already had talked to the counselor about it. He was like, please don't turn me in. Like, I've already, I'm, I'm already addressing this problem. Okay, please don't. And they never, they never did. His mom and dad were having horrible problems at this time and going to marriage counseling to try to work through it. Jeff wanted his mom and dad to stay together. And so it was extra hard on him because he really wanted him to work it out and he knew that it wasn't working. It wasn't going the way that he wanted it to. So that was extra hard on him too. His father filed for divorce, citing extreme cruelty and gross neglect against Joyce. Jeff was embarrassed and tried to keep the divorce a secret. Because in the 70s, were there as many divorces then? I don't know. I was going to look that up. <clears throat> my well, I think that that was more along the lines of they came from a generation where if it was broke, you fixed it. You didn't go buy a new one. So I don't think that divorce was as common as it is it was, even in the like 80s and 90s. It was yeah. more like you stayed together and you stayed together for the kids and you just lived this miserable fucking existence, you know, which <laughs> my mom did it. My mom did it clear up and until like... 1989, 1990, something like that. Yeah. He wanted to keep the divorce a secret, and this is when he started having that famous feeling that we all know that Jeffrey Dahmer had about people leaving him. If you know anything about him, anything about Jeffrey Dahmer, you know that he didn't like anybody to leave him. Right? Right. And I think the divorce is kind of what sealed that fucking deal with... You're not leaving me. It's a, so the, like, um, I was actually just reading about this, um, last night in regards to abandonment issues. Um, people that, you know, it was like nine signs that you're suffering from abandonment issues and you didn't realize it. And it starts talking about being in toxic relationships too long and holding people hostage and allowing people to hold you hostage, whether it really is just like mentally, emotionally, spiritually, or if it is fucking physically. And they used a, you know, gets into relationships too quickly, um, gets uh, serious relationships or has like a desire to create life beyond their own and get pregnant really easy because then I have this thing. I have this baby and this baby's going to love me forever and ever, no matter what, because I'm the mom or I'm the dad or 
all of those things I know and have felt because I, I was the same. I was that way. My mom had a brain tumor, a really bad brain tumor my whole high school years. We didn't know about it, though. And she was special. She was not put together due to medical Mm-hmm. reasons and I didn't feel like I was loved I didn't feel like I was be- like I was belonged belonged like I was belonged <clears throat> and I wanted to get married I got married at 19 because of this because of abandonment issues I married somebody that I thought I, I, I married somebody that I knew I didn't love because I thought that was all I was gonna get I had to marry the first person that would agree to marry me because who else is going to? My own mom doesn't even like me. How the fuck am I going to find somebody to love me to marry me? I wanted to have babies because I wanted a baby to love me unconditionally. The baby mm-hmm. can't leave me. This is my baby. Yep. I can't go. I, this is mine. Somebody love me. So I totally understand this. And to a point, <laughs> let's go compare ourselves to serial killers again. When <laughs> I Get better d- idols. Fuck. God. When I drink, I don't like people to leave me, and I don't know why. I don't like the party to be over. I don't like people to leave. I'm not the first one to go to bed. I'm always the last one. I don't like people to leave, and I don't know if it's like leftover abandonment issues or... Probably. It's the same, like, there was um, somebody on Facebook that I I know, but I don't know him super well, made this, uh, made a post that was like, Oh, you know, you can't keep using the excuse that I have issues from this. If you know you have issues from this, then stop fucking doing it. And I'm like, if only we were a computer. And it was so easy to reprogram me because I still hoard food. Delete. Delete. I still hoard food. Right. From growing up dirt fucking poor Mm -hmm. and never having enough food to go around. And, you know, like... And you eat fast. And my brother does it too. My brother hoards food like a motherfucker. Like we are both like nobody is fucking starving in our family. And we have ample funds to go and buy food. So why the fuck do we do that? Because of this. You know, we grew up poor as fuck. And same thing, like when it comes to abandonment issues, like I had the classic daddy issues where I wanted to be... I wanted attention from the opposite sex, but not, I, it wasn't always like sexual attention. It just turned out that right. that's what it was. Yeah. Um, but like, I wanted somebody, somebody to pay attention to me. My dad was never around. My mom worked incessantly. She was that person. She was a workaholic. And then even when my mom quit her job, got remarried and had ample time to spend with me, she didn't. Yeah. And so, you know, just the classic, like, uh, so there are like, why did you date that person? I don't know, bitch. I was fucking lonely. I needed somebody to pay attention to somebody me. Somebody gave me attention and they wanted to date me. So I dated them. I can go Pretty through much. a list. I can oh go my through God. a fucking huge list of people that there I dated are... like that. Uh-huh. Like my first, yeah, my first husband for sure. And then there was somebody else I dated after we got divorced that was like. I straight up dated what? the wrong motherfuckers for a long, long time. That, you know, either I was looking for stability and didn't get it, or I was like at the, in the moment, I feel like I had to be with somebody equally as shitty or broken as me. Yeah. And I agreed to date people that were like 100% not fucking, should not have ever been on my radar. 
like all the big red flags that could have ever been flown were like the first time I meet this human being, you know. Yeah. At least you got it right <clears throat> at some point, though. Fuck. You right? got one up on me there. <laughs> I can't get it right. I can't do it. I just give up. I give up. I don't want to anymore. I give up. No. I don't want to anymore. But I do, like, I really do feel for him in that way. I understand this. Like, he took it to a different extreme than I did. I just dated all the wrong fucking people. <laughs> and he fucking killed people. And then he killed people. I'll tell you. In a really fucking way yeah on june 4th 1978 he graduated from high school and he lived alone okay why you ask because his dad lived in a nearby hotel because he didn't want to live with his mom um the dad i believe dad owned the house obviously because i don't think mom worked um but he didn't want to live in the house with her i don't know if there was bad memories i don't know you know whatever but he lived in a hotel, and the mom moved away once she was awarded custody of David because Jeffrey was now 18. He was not in this custody battle, so it didn't matter. He could go wherever he wanted, and uh, his mom said she needed to find herself and moved away with David. So I need to find myself. I didn't know you were fucking lost. <laughs> I don't think that you have ever been found from the beginning of fucking time. So good luck. You're trying to look for something that is not there. <laughs> that was rude. Sorry. Well, and you know what's really unfortunate? And I I kind of get the impression that it would have benefited him more had he been under the age of 18 and he had been a part of that custody battle. Because again, that is just one more facet that he wasn't. Another jab. He, yeah. He, like you weren't important enough to be a part of this. You're over 18. You're a big kid. I have to go find myself, but I am going to take your brother. Yeah. And then for his dad not to move home and like, oh, hey, you graduated from high school. You're fine. You can live alone. Yeah. Hmm. Whale. Well, that's all we have for this week. That's where we're going to leave you. We're going to leave you at the end of high school because shit's going to get deep. Bring your boots next week. Bring your shit, your shit boots. <laughs> Bring your shit kickers. Because <laughs> we're going to high school. High school. School. And we're going to like walk in our muck boats through the deep shit. So maybe um, don't pick a what? No, you're getting ready to say the same thing I wrote down. Say it. So maybe don't go picking up roadkill off the side of the street. And stay out of chalk lines. Goodbye. That's funny. I didn't even know. Mine said leave roadkill alone and stay out of chalk lines. Wow, we're not friends at all, are we?